0: Well, take just a minute, uh, if you would, your Bibles. Uh, Take uh, Proverbs chapter 14, and I want to uh, uh, principles of Proverbs that we're looking at, uh, kind of a new little series, uh, just for a couple months. But this one is on. Notice, if you would, Proverbs 14, and look with me, if you would, at verse number 29. Proverbs 14 and verse 29. I want you to notice it says this. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Now, I want to draw your attention that um, it, it, they're part of the two strongest emotions. Can somebody tell me what they are? The two strongest emotions in the flesh, in our fleshly life, what are the two strongest emotions? Somebody take a wild guess. Help me. Uh, both Scott. Anger is one. That's number two. What's the number one strongest emotion? Love. That's right. Love is the strongest emotion on earth. And it is designed that way. All of us are wired that way so that we can love the Lord. Now, God has wired all of us to love. But he doesn't tell us what to love or who to love. So you and I have to learn how to use the, the love that God's given to us. We can ask for more love. Uh, but that love should be channeled to the Lord first. The greatest command, it's our theme, loving him more. It's put the Lord first with your love. What's the greatest command? An attorney asked Jesus, and he said, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, mind, body, and soul. So the greatest command in Scripture is to love the Lord. But the second greatest emotion is anger. Now, it's caused humanity a lot of trouble. It can be a great blessing if it drives us. We get upset at ourselves and we want to fix something. It drives us. It's a motivational thing. So if you uh, didn't do something right and you get upset with yourself, then you can motivate yourself to do it right the next time. One of the reasons we have uh, the motivation of anger, Uh, uh, the motivation of anger is for self-defense a lot of times. You'll notice that in Scripture Uh, with the Israelites, when somebody attacked them. Uh, Sometimes you're attacked and and your anger builds up. That's not right. And it gives you a motivation uh, to protect and to uh, defend. Now, notice in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus says, take your temper and give it to me. Lay it on the altar. Don't use your temper. Don't let your temper... Mess you up. Notice if you would, verse twenty nine. He that is slow to wrath, so you take a long time to get upset. You can get upset with your children, so I got to fix this. You can get upset with yourself, and say, I've got to correct this. So the idea is that uh, wrath or anger is a motivational factor, but you'll notice it's also uh, adrenaline is a drug. It can it it it, it happens when something displeases you, and you and I have to learn how to control that, or it will put us over the edge. If you have your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I want you to notice this. Uh, Ecclesiastes, just a book or two over, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and you'll notice that he says, I'm trying to get there. My pages are kind of chapter 7. And notice with me, if you would, verse number 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. So, in other words, if he says to us, don't be hasty in your spirit, we can control it. He gives us the power through his spirit to control that. Notice, if you would, he says in verse number 9, be not hasty in thy spirit, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So anger is a foolish emotion almost always. But you'll notice here it is said, be not hasty in thy spirit. There's always a delay in being upset or angry. And we have to learn the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to delay our anger when something happens something happens to our children. Maybe they get in trouble at school. We get all angry about it. Uh, uh, that's not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is to keep your anger under control and to realize uh, probably my children did the wrong thing. Let me ask you a question. When you, have a, when you have a school, when you have students, which one do you think most of the time is going to be, do the wrong thing, the teacher or the students? The students. Because they're young. It, you, you're trying to train them, so don't be upset the second your uh, your children come home and tell you something, and you believe that. Um, my my wife used to have a saying: You don't believe what the children tell you, and I won't believe what they tell me about you, because the kid children come home and said, Yeah, my my daddy was uh, sudden. Sudden happened last night. It really didn't, but they were just saying it. You know that happens a lot. So we just say, Look, we don't believe what they say. Uh, look, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, but you know, don't believe them what they say about us either, because we're trying to do the right thing. We're really trying to teach your children the right way. So anger uh, over a child, anger over something you think happens with a mate. You have to be very careful with that. Uh, it says, don't be hasty in thy spirit. Don't let your spirit go quickly. Keep it under control. Say, no, I'm sure there's an answer to this. I'm sure there's something more to the story. And uh, give someone the benefit of the doubt. If you learn to give someone the benefit of the doubt, you'll get angry probably 90% less. If you think about, well, let me just, let me find out the whole story or uh, that's not like them. I'm not going to believe that. Now, notice with me, if you would, I want to give you some, some thoughts about it. <clears throat> there seems to be degrees of anger, okay? Uh, notice, if you would, what is the number one thing anger causes us to do? Well, react, but, but what do we do? What, what is the number one reaction when anger gets a hold of us? We say something we shouldn't. Now, that's the first step that happens. We're not out there throwing things around or, or, or kicking holes in the wall. Now, uh, that could be a reaction right off the bat. Uh, it's always wrong, but usually the first reaction is the voice. It's the lips. It's we say something, it bothers us, and we just say it. Uh, we speak before we think. And uh, you'll notice that that is taught in uh, Colossians. He says, look, in Ephesians, he says, let your speech be always with grace. So before you say something, think about how I can say it kindly. And so we try to hold our temper down. Now, notice, uh, you'll notice every time we, we let our, our lips say something too quickly or we believe something too quickly, the next step, we've got to go apologize to somebody. We've got to say, look, I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I thought that, if you want to do the right thing. Now, uh, but I also want you to notice, take your Bible, if you would, and turn to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 16. I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 16. I want you to see this passage, 2 Samuel 16. It is a classic example of anger. Now, usually when we get angry, there are, there's past history. Usually it's uh, something that's happened before or there's something we feel like has happened before and we've had enough, and so we get angry. Now, or there's something that's happened we didn't like, feel like was fair to us. How many of you know who Shimei was? I'm going to know who Shimei was, okay? Uh, Does anybody know what family he was a part of? What descendant he was a part of? Okay, Jeanette. He was one of Saul's descendants. So when David became king, he was offended because he was of the lineage of Saul. And he wanted his family to be the next king, somebody in it, because that benefits the whole family. So he's bitter at David, even though he knew that God placed David in the kingship. But it didn't matter. There was a jealousy in our heart. And I'm going to say jealousy and bitterness is probably one of the number one things, or offensiveness, is something, the number one things in our hearts that cause us to get angry. Uh, we, We have something already there, a jealousy or a bitterness, a bitterness comes from something's happened previously. So if you have your Bible, you'll notice, if you would, uh, that I want to take just a minute and, and sort of set the story for you. Uh, uh, David's son has taken over the kingdom, and Absalom has run David out. Is trying to kill David, so David is running for his life with his mighty men. Now, David's mighty men were great. They were like the Green Beret or the Navy SEALs of today. They could surgically go in and take people out. Three of David's mighty men, in the middle of a battle with war going on, they broke through the lines of the enemy, went to a well, and got David a vase of water and brought it back to him so he could have a drink. He made a statement in camp, oh, if I could just have a drink of the well of such and such. And the well was behind enemy lines, and his, three of his greatest mighty men said, hey, let's go get David a drink. And they fought through the lines themselves, went to the well, got the water, came back, and said, here, David, here's, well from the water, for here's water from the well that you asked for. And he was stunned. His mighty men were known worldwide by their fearlessness. One man had killed 800 men in battle. Another one had killed 300. They were mighty men, fearless. Well, they're with David. And so here, all of a sudden, we're going to follow along. David is, is going out of the city. Notice, if you would, in verse number five. This is Second Samuel sixteen five. And when King David came to Birem, Behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimeah. Because he was of the house of Saul, there's the line of bitterness. That's the spot where it got into his heart. He wasn't in the kingly line anymore, and he was bitter about it. So you'll know that's the reason the Scripture says he was of the family of Saul. Notice, and the son of Gera, he came forth and cursed still as he came. Now, everybody knows that cursing is wrong. Some people just don't care. Okay. Simei is bitter and he's angry. Now watch this. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody men, man, and thou man of Belial. He co- now, a man of Belial is like calling somebody a son of the devil. And so he calls David that, his king. He's lost his temper. And you've got to realize he's on one mountain ridge and David and his men on the other mountain ridge and there's a valley in between and he feels safe and he feels like David is down and out. And so he's going to pay David back for being the king and he's going to rejoice that David's being run out by his own son. And and that bitterness causes all of us to be be vengeful and that's what he is now. But anger caused him to do something that he, if you were to think about it, was about the most foolish thing he could do. Notice what he says. Verse number nine. Then said Abishai, the son of Zarah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. Now that's why it wasn't very smart to curse David. You know who Abishai was? He was one of the top, he was the fourth mightiest man in David's army. And he was willing to go over and take his head off. Not a fear in the world. Let me go over and just take his head off. He can't curse the king. Now David stopped him, but Shimei would have known that. He sees the, David's mighty men going along with David, protecting David, and he curses him. He knows he puts his own life in jeopardy. Why would he do that? The drug of adrenaline has taken over his body, and his mouth has come unglued. And it happens to all of us if we're not very careful. Now, some of us in this room, we don't lose our temper and throw our keys. And I mean, I counseled with a couple one time that the husband would embed his keys in the wall or he would break plates off the wall. Um, And and he he knew it was wrong, but he just lost control. And so this is Shimei. Now, I'm just going to go through real quickly. Shimei, um, uh, David's son is killed in battle. And David's coming back into the city. And, and you'll notice, if you would, uh, uh, take, take your Bible and look at now chapter 19. This is 2 Samuel 19. And notice, if you would, verse 15. So the king returned and came to Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to meet, go to meet the king and to conduct the king over Jordan. Now Judah was, of course, David. Lo- Judah loved David. And uh, Judah was a whole tribe of people. And you'll notice, verse 16, And Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, which was a Baharim, hasted and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. Now, does anybody know why he did that? Why? Now, keep in mind, he had just cursed him out uh, a, a few months earlier, and the battle has been won by David. He's coming back in. Why did he haste to be right there with David when he came over Jordan? Anybody know why? Because... When he gets back in, he's a dead man because all David has to do is say, okay, now pay back Shimei. Shimei was there. He had no place to run and hide, so he says, I'm going to run back and say I'm sorry. Now, look, if you would, in verse number, uh, verse number 18, 18. And there went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gareth, fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan. And he said unto the king, Let not my lord impute iniquity unto me. Forgive me, don't pay me back. Neither do thou remember that which thy servant did perversely the day that my lord the king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it to his heart. For thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Now, you can see several things from that passage. Number one, anger causes you to say things and do things you would never do otherwise be careful of your anger. Number two, it caused you to have to go apologize and humble yourself. And so he goes back to David and falls at his feet and says, David, I have sinned. I know I've sinned. I'm sorry. We have to do that when we lose our temper. Now, understand this. This is an example of when someone loses their temper and they do things and say things they shouldn't do, okay? He couldn't think straight. That's the reason we do foolish things, If we get angry, we can't think straight. It's like being drunk. You can't think straight. Your mind is not sharp. And anger dulls the thinking skills of everybody in this room. If you get angry in here, or you get angry with your lips, and you let it out. Now, anger happens in all of our hearts. Somebody cuts us off with a car. Maybe... That doesn't bother you. But maybe when somebody uh, uh, does something, they they promise you, uh, maybe Verizon is going to come out and do something for you. Or they send you a bill that's wrong and you're trying to get it corrected and you've talked to them three times and finally the fourth person gets on the phone and and they're the ones that benefit from all of your anger, okay? Uh, You just get upset. Uh, Or or maybe you're upset with a husband or a wife and you just don't talk to them for a day or two. You give them a silent treatment. Uh, But... There's anger in your heart. Learn that anger is never good when we let it out. We have to always take that that temperament and, and channel it to say the right things, to do the right things. Anger will ruin you. It it will cause you not to think. And that's reading he said, uh, anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So we do foolish things. Now, I want to draw your attention, if you would, uh, to give you an example. Take your Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 3. Take your Bible, if you would, to Daniel chapter 3. And I want you to see this passage. Daniel chapter 3. And notice with me, if you would, Nebuchadnezzar is a great king. Does anybody know? Can anybody tell me what what happened to Nebuchadnezzar because he had too much pride? Can anybody tell me what happened? Can anybody tell me what happened to Nebuchadnezzar because he had too much pride? God humbled him. What, What happened? He became as an animal, he ate grass for how long? Does anybody know how long it did that? The Bible says, until he knew that God. Take your Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. We'll come back to Daniel 3. But notice Daniel chapter 5. Look at me, if you would, in verse number 21. This is Daniel speaking to Belshazzar, the great-grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was as wild asses. They fed him with grass like ox, and his body was wet with the dew of the heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. So God was taking care of his pride. Now, that pride, listen very carefully, I'm the boss. I can do whatever I want to. Pride. I'm head of my house. I can do whatever I want to. That's pride. Our church split 36, 37 years ago because uh, the, the previous pastor said, This is my church. I can do whatever I want to. Pride. Pride can happen to preachers, it can happen to missionaries, it can happen to wives, to husbands, to children. Pride is in all of us, and we have to control it. And so what happens is pride is, 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 is helped up and fueled by our temper. He can't do that to me. Does he know who I am? Do they know who I am? So now having said that, turn back to Daniel 3, and I want you to see. Notice with me if you would. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar sets up this great image of himself. It's 90 feet tall. Notice, if you would, in verse number one, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three-score cubits, so it's 90 feet tall, approximately 75 to 90. And so all of a sudden, he says, whenever the trumpets play, everybody takes everybody out to this huge plane and sets up this huge image and says, everybody's going to worship that. That's going to be the new religion in, the, in, in Babylon. Everybody's going to worship that image of me. Can you believe it? That is pride. So he says, everybody, and so he 's got a a fiery furnace, and i don 't know what it's what it's been made of or what, if it was made just for this purpose, or if it was there for a kiln to make a stone or whatever it was, maybe it was there to help make this beautiful. Uh, image of himself. And so, uh, he said, everybody that doesn't fall down to worship, I'm going to throw in the the fiery furnace. Now, everybody here knows the story. So, three Hebrew children can't do it. They can't bow down to a false image. It's against their religion. And so, they would rather die than disappoint the Lord. Now, that is the emotion of love, Love caused us to do things that we could not do in our own strength. Love causes us to do things for people we care about that we cannot imagine. I can't believe I did that. And so here is this prideful king. Everybody bows except these three Hebrew children. He gets told back. You know the story. And so what does he do? I want you to notice what happens. Look, if you're in verse number 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. Why? Why was he full of fury? Now, watch this. There's there's anger. It's in our heart. Rest him in the bosom of fools. Okay? It's it's in our heart. Nobody can see it, but we are seething. We're angry. That's inside anger. We have to control that. But then there's, uh, there's anger that gets outside, and that's Shimei. But then there is fury when we just lose control. This is when there's abuse in the home. This is when there is road rage. And it can happen to anybody here. And so, notice what happens. It starts inside our heart, then it goes outside to our words, and then it goes into fury. Well, notice, these three Hebrew children said, we're not going to bow down to worship (coughs) because we're Christians and we can't do it. That's what verse 17 and 18 speak about. Well, then notice what happens. And then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, <coughs> and the form of his visage was changed. He was so angry, he just looked at his face and somethings wrong with him.' just like,." <coughs> they said, "Wow, that doesn't look like Nebuchadnezzar anymore." And so notice what he says, verse 20 and uh, verse 19. The form of his visions was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spake. That's usually the first sign of anger inside, anger outside, and fury. He spake. We always say something we regret. Well, notice. And commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated, more than it was made to be heated. How many of you remember? Uh, we've had, uh, we've had. Um, uh, Sign up Saturday for many, many years. That's where on Labor Day weekend, we, uh, we have a big roast pig and we play games and, and we take all the ministry of the church and everybody kind of signs up, It's trying to get everybody involved. Well, how many of you remember when we used to have out at the Ashburn property, uh, we had a big fire pit. How many of you remember that? Remember the big fire pit? Well, uh, one day, I, I think it was the first one. Um, it was cold. It was a little bit cool that time, and I said, "Well, you know what?" Uh, and, and we were in a staff meeting, and I said, "And the Paul Bears was here now at that point in time." And so I said, "Hey, Paul, uh, I want you to, uh, you know, make sure you get enough wood over there and get a good fire going." He said, "Okay." I said, "I want to be able to people to roast their marshmallows and uh, cook their hot dogs if they want." He said, "Okay, I'll do that." Now this fire pit was about—it was about as big around as this. It's about four feet across, maybe five feet across. Okay, so he puts wood in there, and uh, he pours gasoline on it and, uh, or, or the lighter fluid or whatever, a couple bottles of lighter fluid to make sure it would work. Okay, uh, light the fire. We he puts it on there, and it starts going in about 15 minutes. We learned the lesson. Anybody remember that day? Okay, Bill, now what was it like? You couldn't get close enough to ma- roast your marshmallows. It's going to roast you before you got to the marshmallows. I mean, I saw people over there trying to do marshmallows like this. I said, hey, Paul, I think you did too good a job. He said, yeah, I think I did. So we learned our lesson, you know. That fire was raging, and but we have to keep the little kids. But I don't want to roast my marshmallow. Well, you can do it from back here. Just hold it out there. And so it was just terrible because we didn't think very well. But it would have been different if I would have said, I don't want any kids to roast their marshmallows. Heat that thing up. And Paul would have thrown them on there. And man, you could have seen it for miles. You just don't want to touch that thing. That's what this man did. It was so hot in that fiery furnace. Now, everybody knows or should know if you got a fiery furnace and you throw seven times of wood in that fiery furnace, you're not going to be able to get close to it. So you know what he does? I want my mighty men. Those are the best soldiers you got. Notice what happens. Verse 20, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. So he says, I want my mightiest, bravest men. Now, you know what they did? They were so mighty, they knew they were going to die throwing them in there. And not one of them doesn't say, Ask the king, oh, king, can we just get sticks and put it behind him and push him into the fire? King, we're going to die if we throw him into the fire. He didn't care. You know why? He was furious, couldn't think. There's a classic example of what temper does to all of us. He could not think. I'll lose my best soldiers. I'll lose my top generals. Well, notice what happens. Then, the, then the, the, verse 21, Then these men were bound in their coats, hosing, and their hats. They put on their asbestos coverings like, a, like a, a fireman across the street. And the flame, notice this, And the furnace exceeding hot, excuse me, verse 22, Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, okay, <clears throat> Uh, What does it matter if it's in the next five minutes or the next 20 minutes? Let the fire burn down a little bit. We got it too hot. He said, do it now. He was furious, and he was blind in his thinking. So notice what happens. Therefore, verse 22, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he lost his mighty men because of his temper. Now, you'll notice that temper is bad for all of us. I want you to uh, take just a minute. Uh, The results of temper are we'll lose our friends. Uh, It'll affect us, our friend. Notice, if you would, Proverbs 22. Take your Bible and turn to Proverbs 22, if you would. Verse 24. Proverbs 22. And verse 24. <clears throat> notice what the command of Scripture is. Make no friendship with an angry man. We're not to be friends with people that get angry. Why? He lists us here. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. We don't make friends with people that are angry. And now keep him out. Here's anger and here's fury. And with a furious man, you don't even go with him, you just stay away from him. Well, notice what he says lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. See so you know what he's saying? Be careful. You'll see them scare everybody else and make everybody terrified, and he'll get what he wants probably, and you'll say, well, I could do that. But the result of fury is pride. It causes pride in our heart. I could do the same thing. That's reading reason the Lord says, don't make a friend of an angry man. I don't want you to have the pride that he's got in his heart. Now, notice, if you would, uh, uh, take your Bible and look. This is the the secret. Take your Bible and turn to Proverbs 19 and verse 11. I want you to see this verse, and we'll close. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Two parts of that verse. What is discretion? Somebody tell me what that is. What is discretion? It's someone that thinks through something and then makes their decision. They don't just do what feels right. They think through it. They come up and they lay up before the Lord and say, Lord, what should I do here? discretion of a man, notice this, deferreth his anger. It puts it off. (coughs) It says, I'm not going to get angry about that. I'm just not going to do that. That wouldn't be the right thing. I'm not going to do that. Okay? Notice then he says, and and I really like this, and it's his glory to pass over a transgression. It is glory to you. Now, keep in mind a transgression is something that somebody's done against you. Oh, somebody's done against your children. Somebody's done against your wife. It's probably easier to pass over a transgression that's done to you than it is to your wife or your husband if you're a wife. It's probably easier to get over a transgression done to you than it is to your children. But that's why we think through it. Discretion. I've got to think about this. I've got to compare it to Scripture, and I've got to talk to the Lord about it. Nobody does that except the great Christians. On Wednesday night, We talked about Paul and Barnabas, and the Bible says, and the contention was so sharp between them over John Mark going with them. Now, you know, you think about it, uh, John Mark had left earlier. He had quit the ministry and gone back home, and he got his heart right and asked for forgiveness and wanted to come back, and Paul said, no. Barnabas said, yes. Barnabas stuck his foot in the ground and said, he's going. Paul said, no, he's not. And the Bible says, and the contention was so sharp between them that they parted directions. Now, let me explain this to you. The Bible also says, only by pride cometh contention. So the greatest, some of the greatest Christians on the face of the earth got angry. And it cost them their friendship for about six to seven years. Now, understand, if you think, think through things. Discretion deferreth a man's anchor. If Paul would have thought through it and said, look, I believe Mark, I, I don't want to give him a second chance, but I'm going to let Barnabas be responsible for him. We'll go together and serve the Lord. If he would have done that, they could have served the Lord together. Obviously, Paul was wrong because in, chapter, in, in, in 2 Timothy, he says, bring Mark with you. He's profitable to me for the ministry. <laughs> Mark had grown up in, and, and become a godly young man. And besides that, Mark wrote the second book of the New Testament. So if Paul would have just discretion deferred the man's anger. So this morning, could I just get you to, before you get angry about something, inside here, take it to the Lord. Think through it. Discretion. Judge through it. Is it worth it? Can I step over the transgression? It is your glory to step over a transgression. Remember that. And it will cause all of us in this room to make a whole lot fewer mistakes because of temper. Remember Temper and anger can be a good thing if it's over sin. Our sin, sin in general, but it's 90% of the time a bad thing. But it is the second most powerful emotion in the human body. Just remember, let's rely upon love and not anger. Let's bow our heads for the prayer this morning. Father, we are grateful for the way you made us. And I'm grateful you have given us the Holy Spirit to help us learn discretion. And I pray that you'd help all of us to be able to discreetly reason through the things that happen in our lives. And Lord, give us the grace and the power to step over transgressions by your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.